Um, last week what we talked about was that we are one church with one spirit and that a group of people, a church, all empowered by the Holy Spirit can accomplish amazing things, can do unbelievable things, things that we cannot even imagine today. And so we want to continue to look at what Jesus created as his church. So if you've got your Bibles, and this is going to be a day where you're really going to want to um, have brought your Bibles or find the Pew Bibles, because I'll just be honest with you, I didn't have time to put your scriptures in on the screen, so it's just going to be a blank screen all day long. Uh, and so you're going to really want to open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. So what happened when the Holy Spirit came on the church, um, People began to believe. Do you remember the story where people, I mean, thousands in one sermon uh, came to hear and know Jesus Christ. And so thousands of people began to believe in the good news of Jesus. They began to believe in forgiveness of sins. They began to believe in redemption of the world. And so this was a threat to people that were in power, to systems that were in power. And so they began a series of persecutions of Christians. And so the Christians scattered around and that's what we're beginning to see in Acts chapter 8 and so in Acts chapter 8 verse 4 now those who were scattered went from place to place proclaiming the word Philip went down to Samaria to the city of Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah to them now we hear that and that just seems like such a simple part you can just keep the Bible open to Acts chapter 8 um, seems like such a simple thing Philip just went to the city of Samaria but if you know anything about Bible history, uh, this is no easy little thing that Philip did. Philip went to a place that you didn't go. I mean, so history would tell us that thousands of years before this occurred, that the tribes of Israel divided. So you had 10 tribes that became the Northern Kingdom of Israel. Uh, and their capital was Samaria. And so you had Gad and Reuben, I can't even think of all the names, but they all joined in to be the Northern Kingdom. The Southern Kingdom was uh, Judah and Benjamin, and they became the Southern Kingdom and their capital was in Jerusalem. And so when they divided, they obviously were separated in and of itself. And then it gets worse as the years go on because what happens is Assyria comes in and conquers Samaria and take some of the people or most of the people away from Samaria into the Assyrian Empire and then they repopulate the area of Samaria and so now you got a few people that are left and then you got these new Assyrians that have come in and they give permission for them to all marry each other well for the people in Jerusalem this was impurity that you were now marrying you were crossing over and so this lessened you and this made you impure and so it created even more division because they saw themselves as pure and here's a group of people who are impure and it continued to get worse so the Babylonians captured Jerusalem they went into exile and eventually about the probably the sixth century they came back in and they began to rebuild the temple the Samaritans said hey we'll help you do that and the people in Jerusalem were like we don't want Samaritans anywhere near us 
don't want you to, 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 to help at all. And so it just furthered the separation that existed. And so then in the fourth century, it gets even worse, fourth century BC, because what happens is that the people that are in Samaria, they look and go, okay, people in Jerusalem don't want anything to do with us. And so what we're going to do is we're going to build our own temple. We're going to build our own temple on our own mountain. And this is really where God wanted the temple anyway. Uh, and so we're going to begin to worship here. That just cemented the separation between the people in Jerusalem and the people in Samaria. And yet Philip had the courage to go to Samaria. The way that John describes it, if you know the story of the woman at the Samaritan, the, the, the Samaritan at the well, that they, she comes to him, and this is where you can kind of really see the separation. As Jesus talking to her, she's like, wait a minute, why are you even talking to me? Because you worship on one mountain and we worship on a different mountain. And do you remember what Jesus says to her? Jesus says, why are you worried about mountains? There's going to be a time where we're going to all come together and you're going to worship in spirit and truth. And that time is now. And so this separation is long standing for hundreds and hundreds of years. And so this is why it's a huge deal for Philip to go speak to the people in Samaria. Let's keep reading. In verse 6, the crowds with one accord listened eagerly to what was said by Philip hearing and seeing the signs that he did for unclean spirits crying with loud shrieks came out of many who were possessed and many others who were paralyzed or lame were cured. So there was great joy in that city. So Philip preached, he's preaching to them and he's showing them what it is that he believes. And they're able to see that in Philip. They're able to see that what he says and what he does are the same. And then do y'all see the result? What's the result? Great joy, one of the defining characteristics of the church that Jesus Christ created was joy, is joy. Think about that. One of the defining characteristics of the church is joy. Listen, I realize we gather today. I'm so thankful that Mariana and Jamie are here today. And I know there's a part of you that don't want to be here. And then there's a part of you that don't want to be anywhere else but here. And we gather, we're brokenhearted, but listen to y'all, listen to me. We are joyful. We are joyful people. If we really believe, if we believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross, Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, and that Jesus Christ will come again, folks, there's joy today. We're sad for us. But Jessica, we're joyful. Debbie Bates, we're joyful. Jackie Tarr, we're joyful. And we can just list them all out if you want to. We are defined by our joy. It's the result that you see in the Word. So this is what's happening in Samaria is these people are filled with this incredible joy. Let's keep reading. When you come to verse 14, now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, 
They sent Peter and John to them. So do you see what's happening? Is the people in Jerusalem are beginning to hear what is occurring in Samaria. Wait a minute. The good news is getting to the people in Samaria and they are accepting the word and they are joyful. We need to go figure out what's going on because that's not supposed to happen in Samaria. That's only supposed to happen in Jerusalem. So they send Peter and John. Now, what we can see here is Luke is very careful. Do y'all remember we talked about this last week at the very beginning of the gospel of Luke, Luke tells us that he is writing a very orderly account. He's very methodical. He's very, he's an educated person. He's very specific in what he says. And so the phrase that he uses when he says that the people in Samaria accepted the word, it is the same phrase when he describes what is happening in the church on Pentecost. Exact same phrase. What was happening in the church in Jerusalem is now happening to the church in Samaria. They can see the exact same thing. Now, look at who he sends to Samaria. He sends Peter and John. John is the one who, in the story that I just said earlier about the woman at the well, John is the one who um, expresses the separation between Samaritans and the people in Jerusalem. But you see another time in Luke, when Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross, when he's getting ready to go to Jerusalem, Jesus sends messengers, it says, uh, sends messengers to the cities in Samaria to be able to help. And they look at Jesus and, I mean, they look at the messengers that come in and they go, we don't want any part of it because he's going to Jerusalem. And it's very clear that we're separated. And John turns to Jesus and says, what do you want me to do? Do you want us to call down fire from heaven and destroy these people? That's how he thought of them. I mean, that's important because that was his view of the people in Samaria. Let's just wipe them off the face of the earth because they won't help us. And that's who he sends. And so John goes to the Samaritans and he sees something happening in the church. They have accepted the Lord. Everything that we witnessed in the church in Jerusalem, we're seeing it in the church in Samaria. But then he notices something. He notices that they don't have the Holy Spirit. And he's like, that doesn't make sense to me. Because when this happened in Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit was involved. But now he sees that they haven't received the Holy Spirit. And you know he's sitting there thinking, wait a minute, that's not how it worked the last time. He's with Peter, and Peter was the one who preached the sermon, if you remember. He preached this great and incredible sermon, and everybody came to know him. If you go back, if you want to flip over, go back into Acts chapter 2. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 38. When Peter's preaching, he says, Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I think God is using this to teach something that is incredibly powerful. I think that he... Um, he wants John and he wants Peter to see something. We got to remember that this is the first time that the word has been taken outside of Jerusalem. So 
It's all been taking and occurring in Jerusalem. So this is the first time it's gone anywhere outside. There are a lot of boundaries that are taking, that are breaking down right here because everything has been centered around the people in Jerusalem. They had been separated for thousands of years. And so here's the question I think that we're asked to think about. The Samaritans had accepted the word of God. But would the people in Jerusalem accept the Samaritans? That's the question that's raised. They'd accepted the word of God, but would they be accepted? Was there just going to be Jewish churches that are in Jerusalem when there were just going to be churches in Samaria? Were they just going to be separated? Never. That's not the church that Jesus created, right? I mean, we, we heard that when Jesus prayed for the church in John chapter 17. He prays for us. He prays for the church. He prays for us to be one. Anything that divides us. Race, language, nation, gender, anything that divides us, Jesus prays for us to be one. And so I think he wanted John and Peter to see it. Look at what happens in verse 17. Then Peter and John laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. See, I think God was saying, I'm going to make this crystal clear. To John and to Peter. Those things that you think that have divided it, that divided you, those things that have been dividing you for hundreds of years. I'm gonna give my spirit to the people in Jerusalem. I'm gonna give my spirit to the people in Samaria. You're gonna be one. There's nothing that's gonna divide you. I mean, they have been divided for so many years, and God brings them together. God says, not anymore. And look at what it does. Here's the, the, the incredible part for me is look at what it does to John. Look at what it says in verse 25. Remembering his attitude, it says, Now after Peter and John had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, proclaiming the good news to many villages of the Samaritans. When he saw, when John saw what God was doing in the people in Samaria, when he returned to Jerusalem, he stopped and he preached the good news to anybody that would listen to him. Listen to me. When we allow things to divide us, and I don't care what it is, it can be worship services. It can be worship times, it can be worship styles, it can be language, it can be race, it can be, what it, when we allow things to divide us, it is almost impossible for us to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ's message for the church when he created it is that we're one. We are together. But when we allow the Holy Spirit to move in us and begin to break down those barriers we experience the good news in a way that we may never have experienced before that's what we see in this passage that's what we see occurring and it even gets better so we see that the church in jerusalem the same things happening in the church in jerusalem is the same thing that's happening to the church in samaria but chapter acts chapter 8 keeps going because what happens is Philip, after having witnessed all of this, Philip keeps traveling. 
Now, there's an Ethiopian eunuch. If you know the story in Acts chapter 8, there's an Ethiopian eunuch that's coming from Jerusalem. So we can only expect or imagine that he has heard about the good news, but maybe he's heard about it in a way that it's only for a few select people. And so as he's traveling, as he's riding in his chariot, he's reading the scripture, he's hearing, he's, he, he's having questions, but there's no one for him to ask these questions to. And then all of a sudden God intersects and puts Philip in his path and he begins to ask questions and Philip begins to help explain. Now you gotta realize Ethiopia would have been considered in that time to be the end of the earth. So you got this whole thing going on in Jerusalem, the same things going on in Samaria, and now we encounter somebody from the ends of the earth. And the scripture says that his eyes are open and he comes to accept Jesus. Listen to verse 36. As they were going along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here's water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? The same thing that is occurring in Jerusalem now occurs in Samaria and now begins to occur in the ends of the earth. And Philip says to him, nothing. And he takes him down and baptizes him in the name of Jesus Christ. The same baptism in Jerusalem, same baptism in Samaria, and the same baptism at the ends of the earth. One of the things that I love about our theology in the Methodist church is this one baptism. You know who the actor is in baptism? God. That's why we don't rebaptize. When someone comes to me and says, Can you rebaptize me? No, because God is the one who worked in your baptism. And it didn't make a difference if it was 40 years ago in a small Baptist church somewhere in South Georgia. We welcome your baptism because it was God who moved. There's power in that. That we are all one church under one spirit, with one baptism, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? That's why I believe that we are able to stand and sing and praise God today, because God has given us one spirit and one baptism. Let us pray. Most gracious God, we thank you. Um,